Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's 15-minute devotional. This is an online video and podcast series for Akron Alliance Fellowship Church in Akron, Ohio. And for any viewers on Facebook and our YouTube channel and listeners to Melvin Gaines' Faith Channel, we appreciate you taking the time to be with us today. My name is Melvin Gaines. We want to encourage people to continue to get into God's Word and stay in His Word. As you can grow in consistency and learn about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In this particular program, we're going to be covering the reading for Wednesday, September the 6th, 2023. Uh, And it is a very interesting uh, set of verses that we have to look over today based upon the reading. Now, our church, uh, Akron Alliance Fellowship, encourages involvement in the two-year Bible reading plan. It allows for the reader to cover the entire Bible over a two-year period. And it's usually a more successful way of reading the Bible as well, too. Um, We're not discounting using a one-year Bible plan, but we think a two-year Bible plan is one where people can stay consistent and be involved in the Word uh, on a regular basis and not lose track uh, when the schedule gets more difficult. In this particular devotional that we're doing today, we're going to read the passages that would cover a two-year Bible plan um, for this particular day. And we're going to make some verbal notes about the content as we go. But when you participate in the two-year Bible plan, it's going to normally take about a 7 to 10 minute period of time to read the actual scriptures involved, followed by 5 to 8 minutes of time of devotional time and review of what you've read in prayer. That's why we call it the 15-minute devotional, because it takes about 15 minutes a day to go through the plan. We encourage all participants to follow this pattern as they develop the best habits for reading and studying and meditating on God's Word. Now, you can read more than 15 minutes a day, of course. You can spend more time in the Word than that. But this is a great foundational way for you to get into God's Word, as we have said, and stay in His Word. And we want to establish those good habits every day. So today's verses we're going to look at are Judges. In the book of Judges, chapter 21, verses 1 through 25, we're going to cover a slightly different reading from what would be called for in the Uh, New Testament section, John chapter 3, verses 22 through 36. And we also do a reading in the Psalms and the Proverbs, Psalm 104, verses 31 to 35, and Proverbs 22, verses 22 and 23. Now, for the sake of discussion here today, just so you know, we we try to follow the pattern that is put forth in the uh, Bible reading, but I think for the sake of the broadcast and continuity, we want to make sure that we're not losing a flow as far as what we're talking about or discussing. So we'll modify it from time to time depending upon where we are uh, with the reading and where it is as far as the subject matter is concerned. But we appreciate you being here nonetheless today. So we're going to go ahead and get started and not delay any further. And let's get into it with a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for this time that has been established for us to sit back now and allow you to speak to us through the power of the Spirit. From the words that we read, your communication to us, we thank you for the knowledge that you're providing to us, and we thank you for the wisdom, the godly wisdom. Lord, bless this time that we spend in your word. Bless us, and Lord, we thank you for hearing our prayers and hearing uh, the appeals we make to you on a regular basis, because we truly do want to know more from you and trust in you. And we give you thanks in Jesus' precious name. Amen. All right, everybody, turn your Bibles and electronic devices to Judges chapter 21. If you are familiar with the book of Judges, 
Uh, you'll know that this is the last chapter in Judges. And if you've been following the reading, you know all about the different uh, issues that have taken place where essentially we're talking about a breakdown of uh, society here with the Israelites. They have been very corrupt. They have, as God's word has mentioned here in the in the passages that you read, um, there's a great deal of difficulty, a downward spiral of, spiral of life. And this particular chapter is going to be covering a subject based upon what had taken place prior to this uh, in Judges uh, about the issue of wives being provided for the tribe of Benjamin. It is one of the 12 tribes of Israel that was established by God. But there had been so much conflict. There was infighting and warring taking place between the different tribes of Israel. It's all because of the corruptness of the world that uh, is being evidenced here when we look at the passage and now look at the way that they try to solve the problem uh, about having wives when they had declared they would never give their daughters in marriage. That's what we're going to read right here. Let's go through the passage. Judges 21 verses 1 through 25. Um, it's kind of a sad story, too. I just want to point that out. But it's a very much of a mirror uh, based upon the society that we see today. Let's look at Judges 21. Start with verse 1. Verse 1. The Israelites had vowed at Mizpah, we will never give our daughters in marriage to a man from the tribe of Benjamin. Now the people went to Bethel and sat in the presence of God until evening, weeping loudly and bitterly. O Lord God of Israel, they cried out, Why has this happened in Israel? Now one of our tribes is missing from Israel. Early the next morning, the people built an altar and presented their burnt offerings and peace offerings on it. Then they said, Who among the tribes of Israel did not join us at Mizpah when we held our assembly in the presence of the Lord? At that time, they had taken a solemn oath in the Lord's presence, vowing that anyone who refused to come would be put to death. Verse 6, the Israelites felt sorry for their brother Benjamin and said, Today one of the tribes of Israel has been cut off. How can we find wives for the few that who remain, since we have sworn by the Lord not to give them our daughters in marriage? So they asked, Who among the tribes of Israel did not join us at Mizpah when we assembled in the presence of the Lord? And they discovered that no one from Jabesh-Gilead had attended the assembly. For after they counted all the people, no one from Jabesh-Gilead was present. Verse 10, So the assembly sent 12,000 of their best warriors to Jabesh-Gilead with orders to kill everyone there, including women and children. This is what you are to do, they said, completely destroy all the males and every woman who is not a virgin. Verse 12, Among the residents of Jabesh-Gilead, they found 400 young virgins who had never slept with a man, and they brought them to the camp at Shiloh in the land of Canaan. The Israelite assembly sent a peace delegation to the remaining people of Benjamin who were living at the Rock of Rimmon. Then the men of Benjamin returned to their homes and the 400 women of Jabesh Gilead who had been spared were given to them as wives. But there were not enough women for all of them. Verse 15, the people felt sorry for Benjamin because the Lord had made this gap among the tribes of Israel. So the elders of the assembly asked, how can we find wives for the few who remain, since the women of the tribe of Benjamin are dead? There must be heirs for the survivors so that an entire tribe of Israel is not wiped out. But we cannot give them our own daughters in marriage because we have sworn with a solemn oath that anyone who does this will fall under God's curse. 
and they thought of the annual festival of the Lord held in Shiloh, south of Labona, and north of Bethel, along the east side of the road that goes from Bethel to Shechem. Verse 20, they told the men of Benjamin who needed, who still needed wives, go and hide in the vineyards. When you see the young women of Shiloh come out for their dances, rush out from the vineyards, and each of you can take one of the, them home to the land of Benjamin to be your wife. And when their fathers and brothers come to us, to us in protest, we will tell them, please be sympathetic. Let them have your daughters, for we didn't find wives for all of them when we destroyed Jabesh Gilead. And you are not guilty of breaking the vow since you did not actually give your daughters to them in marriage. So the men of Benjamin did as they were told. Each man caught one of the women as she danced in the celebration and carried her off to be his wife. They returned to their own land and they rebuilt their towns and lived in them. Then the people of Israel departed by tribes and families and they returned to their own homes. In verse 25, in those days, Israel had no king. All the people did whatever seemed right in their eyes. Okay, that is Joshua, or pardon me, Judges, excuse me, chapter 21, verses 1 through 25. Listen, there are so many things here that you can point to. First of all, about the vows that were made uh, by the Israelites, and this had to do with a dispute that took place in the land and one of the tribes of one of the uh, groups of people in the uh, area of Benjamin, where um, there was uh, basically an issue where the the townspeople behaved in the same manner as they do over Sodom and Gomorrah and had violated uh, one of the the concubines uh, who was there with a man that was from. Um, the one of the tribes of Israel. And you have to understand something. God is not condoning any of these behaviors that are taking place. He is not, when they say that they were doing what they wanted to do, you don't see anything within this passage about the people of Israel seeking the Lord for wisdom or advice on that. Uh, we saw that there was a consultation that took place between the people and, and going up against the tribes of Benjamin in war in previous chapters. And the Lord gave direction, but there was nothing but annihilation that took place amongst all the people of Israel there fighting against each other. That's not something that the Lord condoned. And we have to recognize that this conflict took place because um, for whatever it's worth, as we look at this passage for what it is, God certainly oversaw everything that was taking place. He knew about what was happening here, but are we talking about something that God wanted to have happen? And the answer I have to come back to and say is no, but he knew the hearts of the people involved here. And you'll notice that all throughout this chapter, yes, they recognize that there was a a great tragedy that's right before them. One of the 12 tribes of Israel was about to be extinguished because there were only like 600 men left of all the fighting men that were available. And there there weren't enough people there to continue the lineage within the tribe of Benjamin. And they had to come up with different ways to do it it involved what annihilating another group of people who did not come down and uh the jabesh gilead folks the people there annihilating them but also now hiding and going and taking the women of shiloh who were dancing and and in that way they couldn't break the vow which the lord has already spoken about how we shouldn't be making vows that we can't uh ultimately shouldn't be keeping or because it might be too harsh or there might be something where there's a challenge in that because you're going to limit yourself in that certain way um it's very sad to see this but what we're seeing here 
And again, we recommend looking at commentaries as you look at these passages uh, for what it's worth. They, the whole idea of the tribes of Israel receiving a, a woman who is dismembered and making the commitment to eliminate uh, the tribe of Benjamin or, or fight against those people, as, a, as, you, as it turns out, that was a very harsh response to what had taken place. But the people were doing what they wanted to do based upon what they felt was necessary for justice. They really weren't consulting the Lord in doing so. Can we look at our society today and say that a lot of the things that we are involved in or that we see, uh, God is not being consulted. God is not being looked upon as an answer or a way to uh, reflect upon what should be done. It should be a warning to all of us, especially those of us who are of faith, that we indeed are consulting the Lord Jesus Christ in all of these things that we take part in. And when it comes to ministry, when it comes to even our daily walk, our daily actions, the things that we're doing, we do not need to be living or acting in anarchy. We do not need to be getting involved in something like that. Lawlessness is something that we see very, very readily today as, as being permitted. And that's exactly what was taking place here as we read about in the book of Judges as well, too. So we shouldn't be surprised that we have this internal conflict, even within the body of Christ. We see how the there was warring within the tribes of Israel here that we read about in the book of Judges. And I think that that's really as far as I need to go on this. Uh, I want you to pray about it as you look at it and look at these actions of the people and determine. And what does the Spirit say to you about these behaviors that are taking place? You don't see God mentioned here in chapter 21 of Judges other than the fact that they have ignored God. They did what they wanted to do. They lived the way they wanted to live. They made decisions on how to try to rectify this issue with the tribe of Benjamin in providing virgins for the people who remained in Benjamin. But they literally were almost wiped out. Um, and that's something that is very, very sad to see because they have many, many more young men who were fighting men who were destroyed uh, within the conflicts that took place can't solve problems sometimes by <clears throat> taking part in warfare, um, in, in, in physical warfare. You have to have a heart of forgiveness. You have to have a heart of uh, understanding. Uh, you have to have a heart that you want to try to downplay the uh, acts of uh, trying to solve problems by eliminating people. But the Israelites, unfortunately, they had... Um, they had to learn how to take care of themselves, obviously, and they had to learn about warfare, but it also now came back to haunt them at the end uh, because Benjamin was almost eliminated uh, because of that. But we, but let's lock in on that last verse in chapter, 20, chapter 21, Judges 21. In those days, Israel had no king. All the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. That is a... Basically, a statement that fits today's society. You do whatever you think is best. You do whatever you think is right. God has nothing to do with your decision-making. Um, it's a mentality today that is highly prevalent when we look at people who uh, go to take jobs and they decide just to leave because they don't like what's taking place. They don't bother to give any notice. Um, that's something that has happened uh, a lot in society today. People do whatever they think is right. It doesn't really matter what other people think or whatever people 
um, want to do to respond to that. They, that is really the reality of today. And may we as believers set the example for what is right and proper in today's world. And may we learn something from, frankly, the inactions or the lack of actions for those people within the Israelites in the book of Judges that we have a lesson to learn here. Don't do what's right in your own eyes. Do what God would have you to do. Be obedient to his will. Amen? A lot more you can say about that, but I'm going to leave it there for the sake of time. Let's move over to John chapter 3. John chapter 3, verses 22 through 36. And again, we just want to encourage everyone who participates in these readings and follows along with us here, too, that you have to develop your own daily Bible plan and keep reading. Maybe if maybe the two-year plan doesn't work for you, just be in a plan. Be in, Be purposeful in your getting into God's Word and staying in His Word. We think the two-year plan works best for most people because of their schedules. Um, it is an endorsement for that, but you do you. You need to make sure that you're taking care of business when it comes to reading God's Word. All right, we're going to cover a few passages here in John chapter 3. And we're going to start with uh, verse 22. This is the section where John the Baptist is doing the, uh, most of the communicating here. He's making a testimony about uh, himself and also about who Jesus is here. So let's take a look at verse 22. Then Jesus and his disciples left Jerusalem and went into the Judean countryside. Jesus spent some time with them there baptizing people. Verse 23, at this time, John the Baptist was baptizing at Anon near Salim because there was plenty of water there and people kept coming to him for baptism. Verse 24, this was before John was thrown into prison. A debate broke out between John's disciples and a certain Jew over ceremonial cleansing. Verse 26, so John's disciples came to him and said, Rabbi, the man you met on the other side of the Jordan River, the one you identified as the Messiah, is also baptizing people. And everybody is going to him instead of coming to us. John replied, no one can receive anything unless God gives it from heaven. You yourselves know how plainly I told you I am not the Messiah. I am only here to prepare the way for him. It is the bridegroom who marries the bride, and the bridegroom's friend is simply glad to stand with him and hear his vows. Therefore, I am filled with joy at his success. Verse 30, he must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. Verse 31, he has come from above and is greater than anyone else. We are of the earth, and we speak of earthly things, but he has come from heaven and is greater than anyone else. He testifies about what he has seen and heard, but how few believe what he tells them. Anyone who accepts his testimony can affirm that God is true. For he is sent by God, he speaks God's words, for God gives him the spirit without limit. The father loves his son and has put everything into his hands. And anyone who believes in God's Son has eternal life. Anyone who doesn't obey the Son will never experience eternal life, but remains under God's angry judgment. The one thing I love about this passage, it mirrors to a T exactly what Jesus is saying that we'll read about later on in the book of John and also in the other Gospels as well, too. But what we have to look at here. And again, this doesn't follow completely the two-year plan. They actually, I'm actually pulling back from the day before and taking it to the end of the chapter here, 
because of the flow, right? You have to have all of John the Baptist's testimony here to understand exactly what he's saying. And what is he saying here? He's saying essentially that <clears throat> there's a there's one thing I have to understand about human beings and we develop and, and follow certain people and follow certain things that John the Baptist had his own followers and supporters. And of course, Jesus was acquiring more and more notoriety because that's exactly what God had done for him as far as the uh, testimony that Jesus was going to have. But, but John the Baptist makes it very clear that he is not, he was not the Messiah. He was not in verse 28. I'm only here to prepare the way for him. And so, and in verse 30, he must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. That's essentially where it says, I must decrease so that he can be increased. And that's exactly what the role was that John the Baptist had. He, he, and he makes this testimony about who Jesus is. And he repeats essentially the words that we'll see Jesus say later on. Of course, they are not speaking together here. But, of course, John the Baptist is acting, acting in the spirit. He's only repeating and, and, and making sure it's very clear that we need to be following Jesus and not following him. Uh, even though he is doing a noble work of getting people to recognize the importance of repentance and and showing that God is a forgiving God if you decide to repent and turn from your sin. But Jesus is going to be the one who completes the mission because he's the one who's ultimately going to go to the cross uh, for all of our sins, past, present, and future. But I love what John says here. He is saying exactly the same words. We have to understand that. That, that Jesus, verse, go back to verse 34 again in this passage. He is sent by God. He speaks God's word for God gives him the spirit without limit. Of course, the father loves his son and has put everything into his hands. John the Baptist is making very clear where the focus should be. It's not on John the Baptist and what he does, but it's on what Jesus and what he is going to do for us. And then verse 36, anyone who believes in God's son has eternal life. That's the gospel. That's the gospel message that was mentioned back in John in chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Anyone who doesn't obey the Son will never experience eternal life, but remains under God's angry judgment. That's what it says if you go further back in the chapter in Jesus' words. Um, verse 18, John 3, verse 18, There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him, but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged not for for not believing in God's one and only son. So John the Baptist is merely repeating those very words coming from both of both both Jesus and John the Baptist to understand the importance of why the focus needs to be on Jesus Christ. We as a church, we as a people, we have to have a missional approach where the most important thing that we can do as individuals is proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. To everywhere, And that's wherever we go, whatever we're doing, wherever we are. We might be members of a church, but we're always representatives of not just the church, but of, of Jesus. Jesus is the head of our church. We need to act and live in such a manner where we convey that the focus needs to be on Jesus Christ. John the Baptist said it correctly. I must decrease, he must be increased. And so we're not, we're trying to eliminate this jealous factions between John the Baptist's group and Jesus' group, we need to recognize what the roles are and who are, what our roles are involving us. We don't make ourselves greater. We decrease for the sake of Jesus Christ. Amen? And that's exactly what we all need to focus on. 
Let's go to Psalm 104. Thank you for your patience while we go through these readings and passages. You, I'm sure that the Spirit will be speaking to you about what is being said, but we need to recognize that this is indeed what our role is in the body of Christ. Psalm 104, verses 31 through 35. This is the end of Psalm 104. This is actually a nod to our great creator, the, the God who created us, created the world, created everything that we see. This passage is actually a nod to that. Let's read verses 31 through 35 in Psalm 104. May the glory of the Lord continue forever. The Lord takes pleasure in all he has made. The earth trembles at his glance. The mountains smoke at his touch. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will praise my God to my last breath. May all my thoughts be pleasing to him, for I rejoice in the Lord. Let all sinners vanish from the face of the earth. Let the wicked disappear forever. Let all that I am praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen and amen. And this is essentially a psalm about the God of creation. And we recognize that if you look back again in verse 31, may the Lord, glory of the Lord continue to ever. The Lord takes pleasure in all he has made. What did the Lord do the seventh day? He rested and he saw that everything that he had done was good. He took great pleasure in what he has made. It is his creation. Um, the, the earth... Uh, you know, it's really amazing when we look at the creation, when we read the creation story in Genesis about how the Lord spoke and these things came into existence. It's an amazing story if you really look at it very closely and look at, at, at what the di Lord did. And we truly, when we marvel at nature, the different storms, the events that take place and, and the and the havoc that those storms can reach, um, or wreak, excuse me, um, it wreaks havoc on people and, and all that. And we have to recognize, too, that we look very, very frail in comparison to what God has done and what he has created. And we, are, we should be giving him praise because he took the time to recognize um, that we are here for his pleasure, that we were created for his pleasure. He derives pleasure and so that when we look at verse 34, may all my thoughts be pleasing to him, for I rejoice in the Lord. It, it gives new meaning to the reason for giving him praise and worshiping him for who he is and what he has done uh, as he has created us and made us. We have a purpose. We have a real purpose in the world. And that purpose, at the end of the day, is to give him glory, honor, and praise. And spread the word about the goodness of God to those who um, truly need to understand and see that. So we have to recognize that he indeed is worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our time and meditating on um, him as far as his goodness. And so as we look at the last part of this passage here, um, where he says in verse 35, let all sinners vanish from the face of the earth, let the wicked disappear forever. There's going to come a place where all of these people that are wicked, that choose not to follow God, that choose not to recognize him as Lord and Savior, they will be put away uh, in a different place. And we will be reigning with Jesus forever. Um, earth is not going to be the permanent dwelling place for us. There will be a temporary residence for us here as it 
as we are living out right now. When Jesus returns uh, for the 1,000-year reign, uh, he will be here on earth with us and reigning with us on earth. But our permanent dwelling place is not here. It's going to be in heaven with him. And so that's something that we need to recognize as well, too, that he is going to deal with this sin in the world. He is going to, um, frankly, punish those who are not following him and and recognize that people choose this type of path. It's not something that God wants to do, but they choose it. And But sin requires correction. And we have to understand that that is going to take place in this world. So we want to, as believers, we want to give him praise while we are also witnessing to others about the goodness of God. May we always take that approach. One more passage, Proverbs 22, verses 22 and 23. So it's a small uh, passage as well, too. And, of course, we know that the Proverbs uh, were written largely by Solomon. And Solomon is the one who is putting forth this information for us. Here's a passage that's notable. Verse 22 of Proverbs 22. Don't rob the poor just because you can or exploit the needy in court. For the Lord is their defender. He will ruin anyone who ruins them. You notice how the Proverbs always talk about making sure that we're always finding the reason to be honest, not be slick, do exactly what is the right thing to do. And I think that that's interesting for us to see when we look at these passages um, in Proverbs about the the different contrast between good and evil. Don't rob the poor just because you can. Don't take advantage of people. Live in such a manner where you're not trying to cheat someone because believe it or not, of course, you're not going to get away with that. (laughs) The Lord is their defender. He will ruin anyone who ruins them. There's a cost involved. We just had uh, communication earlier in the book of Judges about how man's way of solving problems is to uh, essentially take action that God does not authorize or does not want necessarily to take place. He knows the hearts of those involved, and so he knows they're going to do it. But we're not robots, right? We have to act and live in such a manner where we understand that God wants us to live in a godly manner and treat people the right way. And just because someone is not able to defend themselves, it doesn't mean we take advantage of them. That is hardly what God would have us do. He is a protector for those who are weaker. And that is what we have to recognize as well, too. Can we just live in such a manner where we honor God with our actions? Not just our words, but our actions. And I hope that you can see this as being beneficial as we look at this particular part of the study. We learn a lot when we see how God is speaking to us about the things that, frankly, are atrocities that we read about in Scripture. They're terrible, terrible things. He's teaching us lessons as we go. Don't ever let anybody tell you that reading the Old Testament is irrelevant today. That is a... Uh, That's a lie from the pit. Uh, I'll be honest with you. We need to recognize that God is trying to teach us through all aspects of the scripture the importance of the focus on Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time in devotion. Thank you for this time of sharing your word to us and speaking to us. As we read each day, Lord, teach us what you would have us to do, where you would have us to serve, where you would have us to go. Give us wisdom. 
Be patient with us, Lord, as we try to learn more about what your word is saying. Because, Lord, we know that sometimes we we just need you to help us along with this. We don't always get it right away. And, Lord, teach us as we go throughout our lives and go about our business that we want to live more in a Christ-like manner as we go. Not let the flesh well up inside of us. Thank you, Lord, for that realization. Thank you for helping us to live in a very tough world today. We give you praise and thanks in Jesus' precious name. Amen. We appreciate you joining us today for this 15-minute devotional. Uh, Join us again next time. Um, We'll get together again next week. And we appreciate you being here. God bless you. Take care of yourselves. We'll see you next time.